Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with all the answers. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who is at RyanFNewman1 on Twitter. Yeah, that's me, uh, RyanFNewman1. And I'm joined by the other brother, who is at 3Newman. That would be me, Trey Newman. You should have said 3Newman. Really would have been nice. Eh. That's okay. Uh, Ryan, you also, uh, you got a nice looking shirt there we saw before the episode you wanted to talk about. Yes. So, uh, for our, unfortunately for our podcast listeners, they don't get to see this wonderful shirt. Well, I'll step up here and show the YouTubers. There There you go. go. Good uh, Coastal Carolina shirt here we got from, it's kind of the logo of the Chanticleer, and it's pretty sweet. Uh, we got Chanticleer, it from actually, Chanticleer. Oh, dang. <laughs> you got me on that one. You were the one that was struggling with that, weren't you, before? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, uh, yeah. That's why I know sh- now. <laughs> Chanticleer. Yeah, no, but I got this shirt from uh, one of our, our listeners, uh guy we talk about, Rutgers Todd here. He, uh, he has a small business where he sells shirts and some stickers and stuff like that, so got one from him and it's a good deal i mean it's a good shirt and good quality and everything but you know i, I suggest you guys go uh support his uh small business i mean we kind of know nowadays i mean small businesses are uh need our need our support so his his business is um i got it if you go to storeenvy.com um and you just search deep vinyl cuts um you'll see a bunch of his uh his products up there and there's a bunch of good stuff he's got a bunch of cool shirts and some cool stickers too actually he sent yeah, me yeah sent a, yeah yeah there you go i stickers oh nice i didn't see the Torero one yeah oh that is sweet uh yeah so um oh, oh sc yeah. sc nice all right cool so yeah so anyways just you want to support a small business and a good dude support Todd's business uh go you remember go to that store envy.com and uh search deep vinyl cuts um and then you get to support small business and you get to support a Rutgers fan, which we know, you know, they could they definitely support, too. support. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah. Okay. Today's episode, we are going to answer questions left by the listeners on Twitter at CFB bros. Uh, be sure to follow us there. Also follow us on Instagram and uh, sign up for our Patreon. We just released a bonus episode where we drafted the teams we will, we think will be the most fun to cheer for throughout the next five years. So we went through every conference and uh, yeah, we'd really appreciate your support. Obviously you get the episodes, but again, you're supporting your three favorite podcast hosts. I hope. Well, your two favorite and mm. Trey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see what right. you did there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's get a, a bit of news actually, before we get to those questions though, because the ACC just announced their plans for an 11 game season which includes 10 conference games and one non-conference game that is either at home or, or somewhere in state. Uh, the first games will be the week of September 7th through September 12th. Notre Dame is going to be uh, a part of the conference for the season, so they're going to be eligible for the conference championship. And that conference championship will be played on December 12th or 19th at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. And it's going to be between the the teams with the the two best winning percentages in the conference. So it's not going to be, there's going to be no divisions, I guess, this yeah. season. And I uh, guess so they what clarified guys... winning uh, percentages as if maybe some teams don't get to play a game or something. Like Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you guys' thoughts on this plan? Trey, I'll let you have the floor there. I, I like it. I mean, I'm. it's it's something that uh, at least a little more than a month out, we have something to to concretely look forward to. Um, with them and, and it's what a blast that the Notre Dame's going to join and the nugget about, uh, them splitting the NBC revenue with the other affiliated schools. They're going to pull all the TV money together and allocate that. It's a, a nice benefit for, for the, the ACC squads, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I like that. I saw that for Notre Dame, their schedule that they kind of released, they, they gave them some favorable home games. Most of their tough games are at home. Um, and then there's a couple schools that like Virginia, their road slate is just murderer's row, but I uh, thought it was Syracuse. Well, them too, the, uh... them too. But Virginia's road oh, schedule yeah. is unbelievable, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It seems like a, a promising idea. 
if I'm if I was I was thinking about that word, uh, if I'm like Virginia or Syracuse, I think also had the really hard road te- schedule. It's like, well, if I'm like a middle tier team, like I'm I'm almost wanting that. Just like you know, I, I'm gonna lose to Clemson anyways. It doesn't matter if right. I'm home or away, or I'm losing or so I'll just like let it be in a way. And I'll I'd rather get a middle tier team that's kind of I'm on par with and have a chance to beat. I'd rather have them at come to me. So not that there's gonna be a huge home field advantage, I guess, this year. But you know, we'll see. But anyways, point is. I'd rather, I'd rather have that. Um, overall though, I guess, I guess it seems like, you know, the, uh, most of these conferences are going to, I think they're going to kind of have to adapt the same rule here. Uh, just mm-hmm. playing common big 10 kind of said that and it's not a hundred percent, but, um, yeah. So, uh, I, I guess I like it. I mean, as I mean, if it means that football is going to happen, I'm on board, I guess, as long as they can do it safely and, uh, smartly, uh, you know, I'm good with it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a plan. It's a first step. You got to actually got to make some change to the season. It didn't seem like it was going to happen as uh, as originally planned. So this is one step towards adjusting it a little bit. Hopefully there's not more steps. Obviously, that's a possibility with uh, the unpredictability of what might happen, but one step. So that's good. Uh, OK, let's uh, let's get into the Ask the Bros mailbag. And first question comes from Anthony at AJG2114. How crucial is it for USC, Texas, and Miami to get back to consistent 10-plus win seasons? What do you think, Ryan? Well, so I don't think it's like necessarily uh, crucial for them to do it this year or anything. I don't think it's like a time clock on them where like if they don't do it soon, it's never going to happen type of deal. Um, I mean, I think they they could they could do it this year. Each of those teams is certainly capable of having a breakthrough top 10, 10-win uh, season. Um but I just those this those schools USC Texas Miami they have such like inherent advantages obviously from this the talent that's right next to them in their backyard that you know they're not going to be down forever so you know I hate to say it in this way but like they're in no danger of being like a Nebraska where you know they'll probably never get to a top of the college football world ever again um, if they do it'd be a massive shock but those other schools it wouldn't be because this talent's right there and just takes the right coach uh, to to tap into that talent and get this the program back so. You know, um, I guess it's, I, I think for the college football world though, it's, it's kind of, we kind of want that. I mean, if those, we want those schools to be good because it makes college football that much better. It's exciting to have blue bloods good like that, but I don't think it's crucial for them to be top 10 or something like that now. I, well, the latter point you had there, college football is more fun when those teams are, are relevant. I would argue of those three, especially when it's USC and Texas, uh, they, they, no matter who it is, they're they're very polarizing these schools, and historically they've been fun to root for or against, love them or hate them. They're they're fun schools to to follow in the college football world. Yeah, I I kind of I guess agree with both of you. You made different points, but to Ryan's point, I mean these teams haven't been good for well, the, I don't want to say they haven't been good, but they haven't been competing for playoffs, of course, anytime recently. But college football has still been fun to watch. Like even as a USC fan, I've still enjoyed football for the last ten years, even though uh, USC hasn't hasn't really been in that. Uh, but you would have enjoyed champion. a lot more. I would have enjoyed it more if USC were good. And of the teams, I guess I might make as far as who is it like important for them to be good. I might make the case for USC because the sport is is becoming very regional in the the southeast and the south to where mm. it would be nice to have one team out west that's competing for for championships. Oregon looks to be maybe uh yep. the closest team to that right now, but if not them then USC is the the obvious choice. Yeah, that's fair. No doubt. All right, let's move on to uh our uh, next question here from Oliver at Doodle Donkey 123 or Doodle Donkey, excuse me. Uh who are <laughs> How the <dare> t- you? <laughs> Who are the top coaching candidates to take over at Bama after Saban retires? And he lists uh, Jeremy Pruitt, Dabo Sweeney, uh, Kirby Smart, Link Kiffin, and PJ Fleck as his kind of five that I guess he thinks are possible replacements. Yeah, I mean, Dabo is obviously an obvious choice, having gone there. Um, I don't see Kirby. He mentioned Kirby Smart. I don't see Kirby going there because he he played at Georgia and I feel like if he does well, he's going to stay there at Georgia. Yeah. Well, and if yeah he doesn't, why would you leave Georgia? If he doesn't do well, Bama's not going to want him. So I, yeah. I feel like he's pretty solidified there. And this is one of those questions that's always so hard. It's almost impossible to predict because 
it's such a fluid situation where there, there's probably a coach or two that's not even on our radar at the, radar at this point that that could be you know any any coach much less Alabama's coach um, but two interesting names on Saban's coaching tree to kind of keep in mind are Mario Cristobal yep. and Billy Napier those guys like I, well Billy Napier is obviously kind of an up and comer he still needs to prove himself but the way Oregon's recruiting and trending you know given Saban might say leave in three to five years or less whatever it is. Cristobal could be haven't had could have Oregon humming and and be the guy. That's one name. Yeah, Cristobal is the the name at the top of my list. Um, I would say just getting back to Dabo. I, we've talked about this before, but I just don't see him leaving Clemson for Alabama. He, you're going to be a legend. You're going to be the guy who basically created this program. I know they were around, but he elevated them to to new sure. heights. So why not be the the legend there? It's not like he's. I mean. Clemson will, I would think, imaginably would just match any offer that oh, yeah. Bama would throw. So, like, why? It's not money that would take him to Bama. No, so. it would be the alma mater who'd be going yeah. home. So, maybe yeah. that's of importance to him. But, yeah, me personally, I would stay at Clemson if I were him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Cristobal, the top guy, though. Also, Jeremy Pruitt for, for kind of the same reasons. He's on Saban's coaching tree. And he actually played at Alabama. So, there's even a, a bigger connection there. But the reason he's second and not first on my list is he's still not proven. We, we, Still don't know if he's a good coach. Yeah, needs a little more time. Good recruiting going on here, but yeah, mm-hmm. we need to see more. Um, yeah, you guys took the obvious ones for sure. Um, but uh, I guess maybe I'll go a little further down the list. I thought of maybe Neil Brown uh, at West Virginia. He coached in the state of Alabama for eight years at Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he certainly has some connection to the state. Um, and I think he's going to do very well at West Virginia. And if you know if he does, then he's going to be obviously a very sought after coach from those big time big time schools. And uh, there's two other guys, Mike Elko, I think the the defensive coordinator over at Texas A&M, he's had a really good stretch of de- defenses uh, in his time from Bowling Green to Wake to Notre Dame. So he's, and he's 42, he's still a young guy. So he could maybe be one of those up and comers that starts to get talked about pretty soon, especially now that A&M is going to have some sick talent to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, my last guy, Chris Peterson. Whoa, oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think about yeah. him. Wow. <laughs> He's right? waiting in the weeds. Flat. Uh-huh. We haven't, it's, he hasn't been gone long enough. It's only been yeah. not very long at all. <laughs> so he hasn't been in those rumors, but that's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm wow. sure they, I mean, maybe they'd make a run. Who knows? But he doesn't <laughs> seem like, I mean, who knows, but he doesn't seem like a guy that would want to be in that pressure cooker, right? That's kind of the whole reason he stepped down at Washington. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. I just know that his name will be brought up. Yeah, you know, yeah for sure. He's going to be I the just, John I wanted to be the first one. He's going to be the John Gruden of uh, oh all these gosh. new coaching searches. Yeah. Oh, USC. Why doesn't Chris? Why doesn't he go to USC? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Next question. Uh, yeah, we've got one from Kenny Ryan at Kenny Ryan twenty seven here, and he says, "If the twenty twenty season doesn't happen, which team will have missed its best breakthrough opportunity?" And he goes on to say that uh, he feels his Aggies are a contender. So much talent coming back. With LSU rebuilding, Alabama replacing Tua, and they have a friendlier schedule, opportunities don't get much better than that in the SEC. So, Michael, what uh, what's your take on this? A and M is I, definitely a great answer. Even before last year, we were talking about how 2020 is the year for A and M. That's the year they're going to make a a jump. They they had a or they have a good chance to start out eight and one, nine and zero, oh, something like that. If uh, if things break right, I also think Texas has a an opportunity this year with uh, Ellinger in his senior year, ton of returning production on defense. Tom Herman, this we you know we've talked about is kind of a make or break year, and I, I I'm optimistic on them. I think they'll have a really good season. Uh, Oklahoma State is is mm, an obvious one because one. of Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace coming back, um, and they, they return. Their defense of, is gonna have a lot of seniors and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. So those those are a couple that come to mind. Yeah, those are some good ones. Um, I, I left, I mean, A&M is not a bad answer at all. I just, I'm leaving them off just because it's not like a make or break type of thing. Like they have great talent coming in, so they'll be just fine in 2021. Um, yeah. You know, maybe even better than they would have been in 2020. So um, good answer. But I think, you know, honestly, maybe a school like, um, maybe, maybe a school like ours, maybe like Nebraska, they desperately needed a year where they could make a bowl game. Like that's, that's a breakthrough for Husker fans with it's three straight years of missing one. So 
you know, they really need a positive, something positive to go yeah. happen for them. And making a bowl game would have been a very big positive. And, I would know, say they, Nebraska needs a breakthrough, but yeah. I don't think this year sets up as some great breakthrough opportunity. Yeah. I mean, but, you never know. They could be a decent team. Who knows? It's yeah. not, not insane. But yeah, I just thought, I don't know. I guess that's a good point is that it's maybe not as expected to, for them to have a breakthrough. Sure. So I'll go to the, where I, I'll go to that type of line of thinking. Uh, I got Iowa State as one team. They have a whole lot of seniors on that squad. Their defense is filled with them. Good players returning. Of course, you got Brock Purdy. He's not a senior yet, but you don't want to waste any years where you're with him. And, you know, I mean, for a thing, place like Iowa State, things just like have to fall into place perfectly almost for them to, you know, have a very good year. It's just they don't have the recruiting and it's hard to keep it keep it going. So for them to break through rarely happens. They need it. Need it. So this would have been or this could be one of the best years they've ever had. Maybe the best. Like it's not a stretch to say that. So yeah. I feel like Iowa State might be the might be the best answer actually for for that question. Yep, I agree with, with you guys, uh, Kenny's A&M as well. But uh, two that I have, and especially when you look at it right now, one is USC. Uh, with the Given the situation, right now they don't have to play Notre Dame and Alabama if the season yeah. progresses right now. So this is a very good opportunity for Helton to build up some wins and, and get some momentum, especially with the m- recruiting momentum that they're having. If he can have a solid year and not have you know that week one blowout to Alabama, like he could get uh get the train back rolling for the for the trojans and then my second one would be miami they were kind of setting yeah. up with Derek king there's a lot quincy roche on defense there was some momentum and because manny diaz kind of needs a, a good year too and they were it was kind of all building and brewing towards towards this year so for their sake uh, it would be fun to have a a season for them he's recruiting really well now just got like another five star i think though so they're yeah they're their class started to tear it together up. really well, which is good. But like yeah. you said, on the field, we need to see something from him. And they, they were their over under was like nine wins. I think uh, you know it was before. an easy schedule. They did. Have yeah, a it was an easy schedule. schedule. Yeah. yeah, but that would have been nice. Um, and we'll I see. I, I don't. Mean, I don't know what their schedule is like now. I don't know if they. I don't know if they played both Notre Dame and Clemson, or I'm not sure. They, I didn't. I think they get Clemson now. I don't know. I don't know about Notre Dame though. Anyways, so okay. uh, next question is from at Andrew Tay and you he says you are stuck in a groundhog day style time loop on a regular college football Saturday would you rather have to repeatedly watch your team lose decisively in a hard-fought game against a rival or narrowly defeat a worse team in a very sloppy game marred by mistakes and blown calls where are you leaning Ryan uh, I, I give me the win against a bad team any day. I can I can deal with that, but a loss a loss is just the worst. There's nothing it nothing ruins the day like a loss, and it, if it's against your rival, then it's just even worse. But you know, like I bring up examples here, like five years ago, or I think it was maybe six, Nebraska barely beat McNeese State. You know, like I mean, you know, FCS team they barely beat them because Amir Abdullah had a, a miraculous play at the end to win at the end. And, you know, I feel a lot better about that game than I did, let's say, you know, last year where we lost to Iowa on the last second field goal. Like, yeah, it was gut wrenching like that. I can't deal with that. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll take the sloppy win. So how about if you're playing, if you have, if Nebraska's playing a tough team, um, like let's say Ohio State or maybe mm. something more reasonable that they might win like <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> so yeah. would you rather have that game early in the day or late in the day? Just as a oh. as a viewer, as a fan. Oh man, I uh, if we're underdogs, I want it later in the day, right? Because if it's Cause, early in the day and you lose, yeah. then you you kind of kind of ruins I'll the watch excitement. the other games. But it's just like it it hurts. Yeah, I, yeah. I do like the, I like the build up all day of a of a game. It makes because mm-hmm. you can you can enjoy those games before it as well. You're not because if if you have a tough game, no matter who you're rooting for, and you lose that nine a.m. Pacific noon noon Eastern. If you lose that, then the next wave of games, you're still kind of like sulking and you're, you might not even be watching like the first half of that, the CBS SEC game. And then, and then you just kind of ruin, it kind of ruins the day. <laughs> if you're a good team, you want to play earlier in the day, I feel like, cause it's fun knowing you just won and you're watching all these games. Like, you right. Know, at, right. Then the, you, the, then the it's risk no... is the, the, like the, if you play a team like Iowa, you say, Mike, and we win, like, that is like, oh man, now the college football day just got better than it could ever be. Yeah. You know? 
So there's the risk kind of you take there. It's like, uh, you know, but yeah. So. Okay. Well, to answer Andrew's question, <laughs> I would, I, I'll take the win as well. Yeah. I just, you can always make excuses for, for a, a bad win. You know, it, you just, you played bad, yeah. but you got the win. That's what's important. Yeah. It doesn't feel good, but it, it feels better than the loss. Okay. Next question comes from Kenny at Ken K1648. What G5 team or teams have a realistic shot at playing in a New Year's Six Bowl this season? Also, why is it SMU? <laughs> ah, Kenny, he's betting big on on Dykes mm-hmm. and Shane Bichel. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, the AAC is just loaded with options here. Yeah. I mean, you've got SMU, UCF, Memphis, but I personally am going to go Cincinnati. Uh, mm-hmm. They just bring back so much on defense. Ten starters, I believe. Uh, they were already solid for Luke Fickle. Uh, they've had back-to-back 11-win seasons. You would think Desmond Ritter would improve at least a little bit at quarterback. They got the Bama transfer running back Jerome Ford to replace Michael Warren. I mean, the pieces are set up for Cincinnati to have a successful year uh, in the AAC. So if I had to lean with a the school there, I'd go them. Okay. But all four of those teams you listed, realistic chances in the oh, AAC. yeah absolutely and it yeah uh, yeah go i'll let you guys touch on a couple others because i i do have a a couple more in case yeah um i'll take a couple conferences here and i'll leave michael's a couple conferences sure so i'll take the uh the Sun Belt has two uh appalachian state no doubt they're always up the top um and then louisiana lafayette and um, i think it might help app state had to play at wisconsin or they were going to have to play at wisconsin yeah. I think getting that yep. off the schedule makes it more realistic for them to. Yeah, they almost had to go undefeated, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but yep, they can do that now. So, yeah, those two uh, from the Sun Belt for sure. And then I guess I'll go Mountain West is the other one. I, I really just Boise from the Mountain West is the only oh, yeah. legit team that has a realistic yep. chance. Okay, Ryan, thanks for leaving me two great conferences here. Conference USA. <laughs> I mean, nobody really has a realistic shot. UAB maybe, I guess, yeah. but it would be pretty shocking. Hey, they, Nine and three last year, 19 starters back. They're going to be good, but yeah. it's going to be tough for a conference so USA back, team though, to have know. a better resume than someone out of the AAC. So that I don't know about that. They have to go undefeated, no doubt. Yes. And then as far as the the MAC, there's just too much parity, and it's not yeah. not really a great conference anyway. So I don't know. I can't really make the case for for anybody having a Buffalo's Buffalo may be favorite. But they appear to be the favorite. Shot. That's all. They're not. The yeah. one, the one thing going for the other conferences, uh, is that the AAC, they could all beat each other up. I mean, those, those yeah. teams at the top are really good that they could all end up beating each other, giving each other one or two losses and, well, and open the door for an undefeated. down the line. Yeah. No, that we just, I mean, Kenny's yeah, SMU is very good. Navy. Yeah. Exactly. Tulsa could maybe improve. Tulane. Yeah. I mean, I don't good, see so. them going unbeaten or anything, but they're, no, they could, I just mean like they're capable they're, of knocking oh, off. Yeah. The these AAC teams. is very competitive this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, and Ryan, where do you have SMU in that group with UCF, Cincinnati and Memphis? I have them th- in the fourth spot. I would too. I just think I looked at SP plus and Sagarin last year and they were fourth by kind of a decent margin. And mm-hmm. all three of those other teams ahead of them, have more returning production so they all have a decent amount surprisingly right they do no that's all they're all bringing a good amount back so it's going to be a really strong group um but personally i like the other three a bit more yep me too i hope they play this year because that that's a fun conference this year it's it's deep compared Mm -hmm. to years past yeah we will get to a question about that later on here that's kind of interesting um but for now let's move on to our next question here it's from uh, at sec football girl um, who will start for the dogs? We got uh, Jamie Newman or JT Daniels. So I we've talked about this um, maybe a few episodes ago now. I feel pretty strongly about Jamie Newman starting. I think JT Daniels struggled uh, his freshman year, and so just based on what I what I've seen on the field from from Newman, I have a lot more faith in him. He's got the running ability too that gives him an added edge, and. Also, JT Daniels is coming off of an ACL injury, so we don't know if he's quite 100% yet. I think he might be getting there. But uh, And then also, he arrived at Georgia quite a bit later than than Newman. So there's just things working in in Jamie Newman's advantage. I, I totally agree. I mean, Newman has been the guy pretty much all offseason until the, the news just broke about Daniels the last few weeks. But uh, And I like what you said, Michael, about his running ability for Newman. It's that uh, 
I think Georgia's really going to want to add that element to their offense, considering they've had a pretty stagnant quarterback the last few years, and Georgia needs to kind of revive the the offensive course. So I think they'll really use Newman's uh, playmaking playmaking ability on the ground. So I would definitely say Jamie Newman. Yeah, no doubt. Bro. I mean, yeah, I mean his his last name's Newman, so he's probably the better guy mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question at underscore samurai underscore Zach underscore what are your credit card numbers social security numbers and income before taxes <laughs> okay they, they couldn't get you to dollars bite. couldn't get you to no. bite uh he yeah. says jk jk but for real rank the conferences in your guys's opinion for order of strength is the acc just a g5 conference with clemson for example explain I don't like the explain at the end there. It makes me feel like I'm taking a test or something. (laughs) Explain. (laughs) Oh, show your work. Show your work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, the ACC, AAC kind of, if you, if you, so if you take out Clemson, uh, it's like, how does it stack up with the AAC? It's pretty close this year. Uh, You know, there's not, I mean, assuming, you know, take out Notre Dame, of course, but, um, it's pretty close. I mean, I think I'd still have to give the edge to the ACC. I think overall, they'd still be a little bit stronger than the AAC, but it's it's darn close. So if you looked but at anyways, uh, my... Sagarin rate ratings last year, the AAC West was the highest of was higher than both divisions of the ACC. So that's that's pretty crazy. But the the AAC East was quite a bit lower than than those. So even if you took out Clemson, like you said, I think ACC was still better last year and. There's teams, North Carolina is going to get better. Louisville seems to be getting better. Miami and Florida State can't really be any worse. So I I echo your answer. I think the ACC is better, but not by a ton. Exactly. Um, So as far as my rankings, number one, one, you know, of course, SEC, obvious. You know, it's just uh, we all know it's true. Um, the big 10 would have to be next. I think that one's also kind of like a, seems like a pretty standard answer, kind of an obvious one, one and two. Yeah. Uh, third is kind of seems like an obvious choice. The nowadays too, with the big 12, um, it's, uh, they've had a pretty good run. I, it's not as clear cut and dry as the first two, but I would still put them, uh, three now comparing the, the last two, I think is kind of the real, the harder one, the pac 12 and the ACC. Um, but I, I kind of leave with the pac 12 right now. I do, we just kind of wait on the ACC. Like I'm waiting on another school to pop up. You know, you got you got some potential there coming up now. There's some hope for schools. You kind of mentioned them: UNC, Miami, Louisville, Florida State. It's just they just haven't really broken through. So they need that that depth to kind of appear before I can give it over uh, the Pac-12. I I have a very similar ranking. I, I SEC one, Big Ten. Number two, it's amazing how the Big Ten has really kind of changed their narrative in the last five to ten years. They used to be kind of just thought of as just Ohio State and everyone else, but the Ohio State's really, I mean, the Big Ten has really upped their game. They've changed that narrative. The Big 12, I'm having third. Michael, you touched on Sagarin. Big 12 was actually ranked second last year um, in, in, in some other computer rankings, which is surprising. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's just Kansas is the only bad team, but they have nine yeah. solid teams. Yeah. Yeah. They're all there. I had the ACC, though, fourth, and then the Pac-12 fifth. And if you ask me this question, though, about for the upcoming four or five years, because you touched on the potential, like I would almost consider putting ACC second. I'd put them probably third if I had to. But with all those teams, with the if they actually live up to the potential that they have and they're kind of showing momentum, the ACC could be pretty legit in the I, next I, few I years. I don't think they're anywhere. Get, I mean, they could, but. That's a bold move to think they would. But I mean, I'm just saying, if, if you had if you had Clemson, Florida State, Miami back, plus you get like one more, like a Virginia Tech or a Louisville to bounce up. You've got North Carolina. Like, let's say you have four pretty solid teams. That would be pretty good, especially with historic powers like Florida State and Miami or something in there. So, yeah, I mean, the ACC will get better. I I agree. In the, in the coming years, they've I think they've kind of bottomed out with the the some teams in that conference. Uh, but I had the same list as as Ryan, SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, and ACC. Although that's not, I wasn't counting Notre Dame this year is in yeah, the yeah. ACC. So because it was probably fairly close between the Pac twelve and ACC, I think that would bump up. Yeah, the if you put, ACC. if you count Notre Dame in the ACC, I would probably jump them over the Pac twelve. Yeah. Um. 
All right, let's move on to uh, our next question here uh, from Spencer at Grifferit, I think. Um, favorite baseball team and player? Well, you know, we're we're all Mariner fans here. Uh, unfortunately, they have the longest playoff drought in like the professional worst sports. Uh, so, but if I had to go with the player, and I'm going to kind of break it down between historically and current. Historically, since I'll show my Mariner bias here, I'm kind of between, God's tough. I got, I listed, you got, for the Mariners wise, I got Edgar, Griffey, and Ichiro. Like those guys were just, mm-hmm. for me, they were just so fun to watch. Um, but non-Mariners, uh, for current, current wise, I would go, um, Mike Trout. I love Mike Trout. Yeah. I, he, he can, yeah. he can do it all. He's fun to watch at the plate. I'm a fan. I have Mike Trout as my, my favorite player now as well, just because kind of the same reason I love LeBron and Tiger Woods is just the best. So through, you know, after last season, uh, Trout was 27. He has more wins above replacement than any player in history through age 27. It's insane. It's insane. He's just, I, and he doesn't get, he's not a huge star. Obviously, this is not an original take, but he's not, if you ask an average person on the street, they might've heard of him, but there's a good chance they have. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Um, angels around him just aren't, they can't get to the playoffs and do much. No. My, my favorite player of all time is probably Ichiro. Yeah. It's a good one. Pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. Seattle Mariners. That's the favorite team. Second favorite team. We'll go with the uh, San Diego Padres since, uh, you know, they're, they're looking pretty good this year. They're doing pretty well. Tatis and crew. Yeah, they got some good offense. Um, and yeah, I said Mike Trout too, man. Like, yeah, you got to respect the game, the way he approaches it, how hard he works, and just how, I mean, how amazing. He's like the best player we, I've ever seen in play baseball. And, but also, also, he just, it comes with some, you know, he's humble. Like, he's not a guy that's just like a loud mouth or a showboat or you just hear nothing but good things about him, really, as far as his, who he is. So to me, that's, you know, kind of why I like LeBron just. You don't hear any bad things about LeBron. He's, you know, yeah. maybe the, the decision was kind of bad, but like, if that's he the worst you know, thing, if that's I, the worst on. thing he does, then yeah. give me a break. Like, did you guys give back so much? And he's just, he's a genuinely seems like a good dude. Yeah. Did you guys have any other uh, kind of favorite historical players? Well, I don't know about if he was a favorite, but just watching Barry Bonds, like in that was like yeah. 04 yeah. season around there. I go back and look on baseball reference sometime just at his numbers. It's insane. It is yeah. insane it is how good he freakish. was. All the walks and yeah, obviously the yeah. homers. His on base percentage is just outrageous. Like he was they would I mean, didn't they wasn't there a couple times they walked walked him with the bases intentionally loaded. walked him with the bases loaded. Yeah. There was that's, yeah. that's I remember crazy. I used to listen to this ba- baseball podcast that's really good called Effectively Wild. Um they're just kind of I think they were baseball reference guys, just real nerds about the game, but they're funny and and entertaining. And I do remember a trivia question about something like that. It was like, how many, there's only something like three times in history, a player has been walked with the bases loaded intentionally, something like that. And two of them were bonds. I, yeah, it's, that's yeah. stupid. Yeah. I, I also liked that era of bonds with, you got like Pedro Martinez and Sammy Sosa and Pujols was kind of getting started. Those were, those were fun. Yeah, Pujols years. was a pretty Pujols awesome, was awesome Yeah. In his prime, he was pretty awesome. Yeah. The baseball bros. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Now we've got one from at Coolins772. And he's they're asking, rank the order in which you think you will see each of the four major Florida teams. So you got Florida, Florida State, Miami, and UCF. So he's saying rank those uh, in order of which will make a college football playoff in the future. One being the school that will make the playoff the soonest and four being the school that will take the longest. So, Michael, what uh, what's your take here? Well, number one, I think we can all agree, has is, is got to be Florida. They're they're th- looking to be a, a playoff contender this year. And sure. Dan Mullen is a, a great coach. Number two and three, when I first read the question, I thought it was an easy choice uh, to go with Florida State 2, Miami 3. As I looked more into it and kind of thought about it more, I think it's – it's a lot closer than my first inkling. Oh, yeah. But I still would go FSU just because they do right now have a, you know, if you look at the college team talent rankings at 24-7, they're, they have more talent right now. That gap is closing with the way Miami's recruiting. Um, but I, I guess the, the big reason, too, is that it's just been a lot longer since Miami has been 
at a championship level. Uh, I think I said earlier that they've only had one 10 win season since 2003, something like that. Yeah. So just because you haven't seen it, it's, it's tougher to, to project it anytime soon. And year one on the field of Manny Diaz was a big disappointment. Yeah. Recruiting's good, but year one on the field was a big underperformance. Yeah. I and had then the same. four is UCF, obviously. Yeah. 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 I mean, UCF, they, we've already seen. Well, they've already they, won a national champ. True. So. True. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've already, yeah, you've already seen them go undefeated and it's just not enough. Uh, so yeah, they have to, it, it would take some a miracle for them to make a playoff, but, um, I, yeah, I had the same list. FSU Miami was close, as you already said, but yeah, this, this, I had, the reason why I had Miami behind was just because of the, the first, the performance on, on the field for the the first year. I mean, it's, if they had gone eight and four or, and looked pretty good or maybe even nine and three, then I, maybe would go with the U because they would have a other or they would have uh, the on-field look good the great recruiting things are uh, on the uptick but crazy what a couple of couple more wins will do for you for perception though if I'm if I'm a Miami fan I'm saying well look at what Florida State's done the last two yeah, years on the field well, true yeah that's fair good point but I guess it's just what the use you've kind of also brought up the recency like we've seen Florida State recently have uh you know good uh good teams I mean they won oh, yeah, the title they were, not that long ago they were 10 wins every year with Jimbo almost, and they were yeah. in the hunt. I, I like my, so Florida State and Miami are so interchangeable, and I like Miami, but, um, you know, I was looking, I was surprised. They finished 70th in Sagarin last year. I mean, I know there's a lot of love coming in with Derek King, um, Quincy Roche. Like, I'm first in line. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope it works out, but that's still a pretty big, uh, yeah, gap that they need to improve uh, in order to get back in there, but they're they're starting to recruit to be able to get there. But uh, I mean, it's it's you flip a coin on those two because yeah, Florida State the last two three years has had their struggles as well. The thing with the U is we've seen them recruit well and it just doesn't pan out. You know, like we've seen them have some really good classes and it still doesn't necessarily work. You thought Al Golden was gonna kind of maybe be able to break through and I don't know Randy Shannon or but it's just like eh, no. yeah, and at least with Mike Norvell. There, he's also unproven, but he's more proven as a coach than Manny Diaz because he just had great success at Memphis. Manny Diaz, sure, has never been a head coach. No, no, and had maybe he does have a good defense, but yeah, yeah. And Florida State has some uh, some good quarterbacks in the pipeline. They're not relying on, you know, Miami's kind of going all in this year with Derek King. Florida State's got Purdy and Blackman, and there's some some guys. Miami brought in one. Good uh, true freshman, uh, Van Van. No, oh, I forget his name. Like I know who you're talking about. Week. It's hard to yeah. say. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're not they're not lacking. But I, I was just talking and yeah. going into this year. We'll see. I yeah. guess the, uh, the the point is it's pretty close to, to where. Oh if, yeah. If Miami ends up having a good year on the field this season, and then this answer could change. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it's that close. All right. Our next one is from at Nala Manatee. In the fall of 2022, will the Big Ten and SEC, well, they'll be healthy. I think he's referring to they'll be healthy in terms of money and the other Power Five conferences dying out, or will there be another massive conference realignment? So, would, and then his other question is, would G5 be better off to play spring football given TV games, uh, live games for eight to nine months of the year? So, I guess the first spot, uh, first question, what do you guys think? Uh, okay. Yeah. We can take it question by, by question. Uh, I think the conferences are pretty set here, maybe for a little while. Um, you know, all of them seem to be doing well, the power fives, they all seem to be doing quite well. Um, that massive shift that we just had, well, I guess it's not just a come a bit a little wise, a little time now, but I just feel like it's, uh, it's still the success of each conference is doing really, really well. I mean, maybe a couple of schools, a couple of them, like the big 10 and the SEC are maybe doing a little bit better, but um, I don't know. I'm just there. I think they're all making a ton of money. I just don't see uh, a huge need for a shift at this point. So I, I, I think they're settled on that. And I don't know if this conf, uh, this question is referring to the potential impact of like, let's say this season isn't played. If it is played, all those, those other three conferences are going to big 12, pack 10, ACC or pack 10. What year is it? Pack 12, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ACC are going to be just fine. Uh, money wise. If there isn't a season, I mean, I still think they they will be fine. I'm not an expert. I don't know. I'm not an expert on the economics of college football and just how much you know impact of of missing the season would have. But I think it might 
be on other sports, smaller sports within athletic departments. I think football would take a hit, but the power five, I think, would ultimately be fine. They'll be fine. The demand is still going to be there. So, right. You know, I, they'll just make a hundred million the next year. And, you know, so I agree with you guys there. I think the, the TV money will at least keep them afloat, even if they missed, uh, missed this, this particular season. Now, what do you guys think about the, the question of the G5? Would they be better off to go to the play in the spring consistently? There's arguments to be made on both sides here. Um, but I, so it makes sense because it would give them more exposure. I mean, if they played in the spring, um, just because they'd be the only games on. And um, so, you know, maybe they would get a few more eyeballs since they're the only games on. And I think it'd be cool for us, like us diehard fans, because we'd watch uh, for sure. Um, but as far as the flip side, like, I don't think they'd be better off, though. It's just as far as the actual schools for a few reasons. One, just the NFL draft is right around the corner. It's right in the spring. So, a lot of kids might get hurt uh, and they would or maybe they wouldn't want to play. Say they even move the draft like till early summer just but for even then it's like you got the nfl start of the season is you know yep. not that far away so you're asking a lot of your i guess a lot on your body is you got uh yep. games two full seasons worth in almost one calendar year seems like a lot for for your body in football but so that's just kind of one reason um two they'd never get an opportunity to play power five schools so i think the interest actually the interest level uh, for die diehard fans will watch, but the overall interest level in G5 teams, I think it would actually go way down because the average fan maybe will just not watch because they don't really care about the lower tier types of schools. So I think the, um, the actual interest in them would go down. And then, you know, those, those smaller schools de- depend on the, the big, the big schools for money. Uh, those games, they make like about a million dollars sometimes to go play at, you know, those big time schools. And we've heard repeatedly like athletic directors say like, we need that money. Like that's pays for our athletic budget. So I just don't think it would be, I, I, I get the idea, but I just don't think it's would be smart. Yeah. I think this idea makes a little bit more sense to me, at least for the FCS. I know, uh, I think Bruce yeah. Feldman wrote about that because they, to have their own spotlight because no, the, the FCS games get lost in the shuffle in the totally. fall. But if they were in the spring and you wouldn't have as big of an issue with the NFL draft because there aren't that many yeah, like prospects. Maybe one guy on a team. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I think that issue would be a little bit less. And uh, we've seen like with the XFL ratings wise, it, it seemed to be fine. Like certainly something that the, the FCS would love to have those ratings. Um, but there's just kind of other reasons that it's failed. So I think it could could work. And G5, I mean, we've talked about the the gap widening widening between the G5 schools and Power 5 in terms of money. So maybe getting more eyeballs in the spring would would be more. I don't know. More money for them? Maybe. I just, I love college football as it is. And I like the fact that it is only in those short couple fall months where you, it's it's just, it it wouldn't water it down. It's not as watered down if you have it over the other, the other months as where, and also like it would have to go up against college basketball. Like I enjoy watching college basketball. And so, you know, would I watch? Yeah. I already watched the G5 as it is up when they're up against the the Power Five school. So yeah. I already enjoy watching it. Now, would some of these fans watch it over, you know, Duke, North Carolina basketball game? They might not. I don't know. It'd be interesting. But, uh, but, um, what about, I, what about, it, for, it just might not be. What about for a conference like the WAC? I mean, the WAC, would they want to, would they want to do this? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> What about yeah, what about know. the Big Eight? The Southwest Con- the Southwest Conference uh, <laughs> yeah. they might enjoy it too. Yeah, yeah. I just you know I I just don't think uh, it would feel more JV like JV if you do it also like if you're these G five schools and you're not even have the opportunity to play a Power Five you're just like you're really pushing yourself further down the totem pole. Uh, you know as far but as I like do quality agree, of play um, and. I do agree so. that if there was one, the FCS, and I could buy into Yeah, that. FCS actually is a great idea. And I mean, it might be a good time this year to test it out, right? Because we exactly. don't know if the G5 schools are going to be able to afford to have a, a fall season. So if the Power 5 does go through with the fall, then G5 could test out the spring. That, it, it could yeah, be you got nothing to lose, really. No, yeah, that's true. This year is a good year to give it a shot, I guess. But All right. Yeah. Moving on to the next question from at Brett BPSU. He says, the Industrial Revolution changed the face of the modern novel forever. Discuss 
citing specific examples. <laughs> Did the, I'm getting blank stares. Freeze? Do you oh, know wow. the reference? No, I think Trey literally froze. Oh, he actually no? froze. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> Trey, you there? Yeah. I'm here. I'm, I'm here. What happened? Out. Did you hear the question? The Industrial Revolu- Revolution? Yeah. 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 What are we talking? Like Henry Ford here? What, we got the... <laughs> it's, fr- it's a quote from <laughs> Billy Madison. That's the one oh, where, yes. where Billy answers and talks about the puppy who lost his way. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> yeah. oh, I great. totally missed that. Great reference. Anyway. Oh, wow. His other question is, if the 2006 Rose Bowl <laughs> is the greatest game of the bro's lifetime, what's number two? Wow. There's a lot of good options here. Man. I, as far as if you had to ask me the most memorable right off the bat, I got to say Auburn, Alabama kick six. I just, I remember watching the game and even before the last play, it was already such an exciting game because it was kind of back and forth. Auburn clawed back to score. Alabama was missing, missed a a couple field goals, didn't convert on fourth down. They threw a 99 yard touchdown. There were so many great plays and then that happened on top of it. Just so memorable. So I, I guess I'd say the kick six. Yeah, that, that one was obviously good. That's one of them. I have, I have three listed. That's one of them. Uh, I'll go with, uh, I'll, I'll say one of them here and I'll leave the other one I'm sure Michael might take. I, I'm going to go with the Clemson-Bama national title, the first one when Clemson was able to beat Bama. I mean, it was just, I think that's underrated, honestly, yeah. as far as like, because it's it like they won at the last second. Uh, Bama had been king of the world for so long. Yeah. Clemson was still the up and comer at that point. So, it was just like a huge David and Goliath type of battle still at that point. Not anymore, but... So, and it was just an amazing game. I, and it just feels like that was, I'm not sure why. I mean, Texas USC was, I mean, amazing, no doubt about it. But like, I feel like those Clemson Bama was like almost the exact type of same thing. Yeah. It had moments. I think, I think USC Texas, just the buildup was also the the whole season. They were number one and two yeah. the whole season. And, but, but I mean, Clemson Alabama's right there. I would, the other game, which is probably the third game on your list, Ryan, is the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. You got Boise State against Oklahoma, and Boise State tied the game on a 50-yard hook and ladder on a fourth and 18. Well, do you remember the play, how they got down by a touchdown? I don't. Oh, I don't. They what is, threw a pick six. Would, yeah. Zabransky oh, threw a pick six with like a minute left. That's right. They blew They blew a, a big lead. They were up like 18. Yeah. They yeah. were up a decent amount. Yeah, I forgot about Adrian that. Peterson I forgot about kind of that. came back. And, and that, yeah, I kind of forgot about the pick six. I just saw it the other day. I was like, oh, man, I forgot totally forgot about that and then they go in on that drive that's cool and then uh in overtime they won on the the hook and la- or not the hook and ladder but the statue of liberty <laughs> uh two yeah. point conversion just well, well the, the three last plays were all trick plays yeah because the touchdown to before the two point conversion was didn't the receiver pass it to the lineman or something to what was the the play in order in overtime they scored yeah they did like they, an end Go ahead. No, yeah. they did like a, I think they did like a halfback toss. Yeah. To and then the run the running back threw it to a tight end in the corner and a, yeah, I think it was like a tough catch in the corner. Man, and I gotta watch so this game to again. It's been too long. Yeah, it was, those were three consecutive plays for him. You know, the hook and ladder, then the halfback pass, and then the Statue of Liberty. Because I know on the the first play of overtime, Adrian Peterson just ran for a twenty five yard touchdown, and that's why Peterson knew it's like okay, or Chris Peterson knew like if yeah. we score, we got to go for two. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, but the as far as so that was my game. the The best college football moment of our lifetime, I I think, is the kick six. The best single yeah. play, I guess, even better than the than uh, Vince Young Texas Tech and Texas game when Harrell had the crabtree. That's a yeah, big moment. Not that's good, not, not that kick six, but it was a great moment. Yeah, it is. That's one of my top five memorable moments. I think too that crabtree touchdown. Yep. Yeah, the bush push good but push, not push. quite this mm-hmm. yep yeah uh, and people people hate on it i'm not i'm not claiming this is the best game at all but i really didn't mind the 9-6 lsu alabama game yeah with well, 2011 I, or something yeah i really did. those defenses were so filthy like people don't give enough credit to the defenses in those yeah the offenses had their struggles but i enjoyed that game also probably underrated from our lifetime 97 nebraska the miracle kick where yeah i mean that's oh, insane yeah. if that happened today that would be such a huge story so it was True. uh nebraska against missouri last play of the game scott frost let's see throws a, a touchdown pass it was fourth down uh and throws it i think it was third down actually 
Whatever is the last play of the I'm game. I'm trying to yeah, remember the call the in my there. head. Fourth down. Third down. Third down. Third down. Frost to the middle. Frost to the middle. Yeah. Juggles. Yeah. Diving touchdown, yeah. Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Davison on the yeah. deflection. Uh, so right. yeah, so what happened was Frost threw the pass. It gets, I guess, dropped by by a player. Kinda, yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of did bad. It and it's falling down. And one of Nebraska's receivers just kicks the ball because it's about to hit the ground and he's laying down. He just kicks the ball up. It bounces up behind him. And out of nowhere, the, <laughs> off the screen, Matt Davison comes diving to catch the ball right before it hits the ground. And Nebraska went on to tie to share the national championship. Like, that's insane. It, it was, was pretty wild. Shoelace away from, I mean, that was, I was, yeah, that was crazy. Unbelievable. Good one. That was a good one. Oh. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, our next question here from Jeremy. Um, how feasible would a college football bubble be? Uh, if you, bubble be? Bu- bumblebee? Uh, if you were in charge of it, <laughs> Ryan how had would a brownie you go about- before the podcast. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. We take lots of edibles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. If you were in charge of this bubble, um, how would you go about organizing it? Where, who plays who, and whatnot? Well, the question, how feasible would it be? I think it's not very feasible. It's just, if you're going to do it on campus, I don't see how you can, you can take some steps to reduce exposure, but it's a college campus, especially if the other students are there and there's just going to be a lot of people and you can't, you can't enforce to where the the kids just can't mill about campus or go to parties. You can try, but I don't think you're going to be successful. So if you were, if I was in charge of it, and let's say you told me I had to create a bubble, well, I would create it off campus somewhere. So you'd have to get, I think you'd have to go conference by conference. And so say the Pac-12, you could say, all right, we're just going to have Denver is going to be where we're doing it. And we're going to rent out a bunch of hotels in Denver for each team. And yep. you'll, you know, all the students will take their classes online and you'll eat at the the hotel. You'll sleep there, of course. And you will practice. You'd have to find some local fields or something to to practice on. So that's that's what I do, I guess. I, I I mean I wouldn't I told, do it, but if I had to do it, that's yeah. what I'd do. Exactly. And if there was any year to experiment, this would be the one. Especially like you said, most the most of these schools are going to at least have some form of online learning or remote learning. So they we could essentially go to a bubble city. I'd try and mirror what the NBA and NHL are doing. Uh, provide activities for the players play um you know ideally stay in uh you know kind of a a hub city like you said sec could be atlanta or something and uh each each conference has their own little bubble city that they they stay in their own hotels and and go from there but uh i would keep conference affiliation and because i've seen people float the idea of just playing going regional conferences for this year and just ignore the most recent uh the historical conferences i personally wouldn't do that i would like to keep the rivals and familiar games uh so that's the way i would do it as well i think the hotel thing unless you're staying at a disney resort where you got a bunch of stuff i don't think this really uh feasible um i think what i would consider is there's there's gonna be a lot of universities all over the country that are closed you know they're just gonna be online only uh for the fall I would send all the school, all the teams like the Pac-12, I'd send them all to one of the universities, whether it, anywhere on the West Coast. Uh, so let's say, you know, they'll, they'll go to San Diego State. I don't know. That's only online. Um, everybody in this, all the 12 schools would have to stay in the dorms at that school. They'd all essentially, this the school would be the city and they'd run this school like it's, you know, um, actually a normal school. They could still do online classes from their campuses, uh, you know, with a, that they're not obviously on their own campus, but they'd have cafeteria open. They'd have a gym that they could use, uh, facilities. They just run the university almost kind of normal-ish, uh, but they just have security around the perimeter and they just try to function it as a city at a school. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think all of our ideas are are very, very unlikely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no doubt. But yeah. Uh, anyway, NBA bubble tomorrow. It's Here we go. Finally. Yeah. Or I guess today as we you guys listen to this podcast. Okay, next question comes. Well, we got three questions from Rutgers Todd, who uh, Ryan's shirt that he's wearing, of course, from Rutgers Todd. And the first one is Chance. for me. He says, if there's no season, can you guys do a recap of every, si- every single season starting in 1869? 
And I think, yes, we can. I'm going to start with the very first football game right now. And it was Rutgers against Princeton. And Rutgers won six to four. So there's game one. We'll get we'll, two safeties. We'll get to the rest of them. Well, no, they didn't. I was I, the points were different. Well, right? it was had, it, the whole game was different. It looked, I think, almost nothing like football, but yeah, it counted. <laughs> Honestly, if there is kind of the way Rutgers plays now, oh, if there is no nice. season. Oh, sorry. Wow. Sorry. Low blow. <laughs> but if there is no season, I really like this idea of just giving recaps of maybe not going back to 1869, but over a certain period of time, just kind of give random excerpts from from uh, some random years throughout football history we're gonna have to come up with something yeah yeah it's not your worst Um, idea todd all right for me the next one here oh okay go ahead yeah so because this is he's asking you so for trey uh so being a fellow older gent um does eating dinner at 3 30 and going to bed at 7 ever get boring or is it the greatest thing ever? <laughs> so I'll I'll admit I have many many traits of an old timer, and wouldn't be confused with the youngins these days. But this is something I don't do yet. I I eat and go to bed more on the later side. Still, uh, I'm slowly starting to see that the the bedtime can come earlier. But uh, I'm not I'm not fully there yet. So what time are you guys eating dinner normally? Um, usually like maybe seven. Yeah, I'm or so. more seven to eight ish. Yeah, I'm I'm a hair early. I'm maybe six fifteen ish. Six yeah. six. I don't know six to six thirty. I got early schedule. You know, I'm usually well. Normally, I do. What time do you go to bed, teacher? Uh, well, when when school is going on, cause I'm, you know I'm a teacher, so uh, I usually get into bed probably ten fifteen ten thirty. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't I don't usually. Well, get I got to wake up anyway. at like six fifteen six thirty. So yep. Try to get I. Get in that eight hours, man. It's yeah, nice. It really it makes does. a difference. If I go to bed after midnight and it's this time I got to wake up the next morning to go to work, oh, it's tough. It's like I barely, I feel like I barely sleep. I just wake up and I'm like, what that, well, that's it? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Bunch of old guys talking about our, <laughs> our routines. Uh, mm. Last question is for Ryan. Trey, you can read it. All right. What kind of monkey would you prefer as a pet? A chimp or a I don't even know oh, what this is. <laughs> it really makes it look like I didn't know how to pronounce the word, so I pawned it off on you. I think it's capuchin. Oh, okay. A capuchin monkey? Capuchin monkey. So, a chimp or a capuchin monkey? I think. Sorry, I I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a... I'm not a... not the monkey bros. Gotta go with capuchin. It's, uh, it's the one that's kind of the smaller, more cute one that looks like you can kind of like run on your shoulders I think it's like Marcel from, uh, from Friends. Yeah, it's Marcel from yeah. Friends. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks just that. like that, so... I was going to bring that up. Oh, yeah. sorry. Stole it from me, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> but no, who's a chimp? I mean, I don't know. They seems like they'd be too big and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I think are chimps like a smarter like or a, is that just, I feel like I've seen a lot of videos with chimps doing smart things, but. Are they smarter than capuchins? Yeah. I don't know. Well. Yeah. We're going to have to ask the, the monkey bros. Yeah. That was uh, a good question, Todd. I'm sorry that we don't have a better answer. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> let's get to some five-star reviews. We saved this for the end of the episode because we got a lot this week. We got seven. So let's, uh, let's, let's get through them, Trey. All right. We got one from Beer Battered Cheese on Wisconsin. Awesome pod. Love that you guys give love to teams outside of the SEC, Clemson, and Ohio State. Keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. I like that username, Beer Battered Cheese. Good. That's yeah. All right. Osiris uh, 410. Um, go Hokies. Love you guys. Always look forward to the pod. Thanks, dude. Very good. Thank you. SJ Hawks 27. Great podcast. Hosts are personable, funny, knowledgeable, and sexy. Anyone who likes... <laughs> okay. All right. I think he didn't say one of those. I think knowledgeable he didn't say. Uh, Probably. Yeah. Anyone who likes yeah. college football, whether casual fan or diehard will enjoy this podcast immensely fight on hell yes fight on i like it i like it all right we got one from megan carpenter and now that we had sec football girl tweet us now we got some lady love here from megan carpenter best college football podcast hands down my favorite podcast about college football the hosts are knowledgeable and funny especially michael wow michael how much did you uh how much did you pay wow. Megan for this? Wow. I didn't pay her anything, but wow, that's uh, uh, that's so nice of her. Thank you, Megan. Interesting. Wow. 
something, uh, something shady going got good on taste. there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I think's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Uh, let's see. I sharded me pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But read the review, Ryan. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry to hear that, right? <laughs> you don't have to announce that either. You could have got away with it. <laughs> oh, man, too bad. Uh, um, cool podcast, awesome dudes. I know nothing about football, dope. <laughs> that was a good, I love right. the username. Thank you for that five-star review. Uh, next, McBride WH. Great podcast, nice balance of humor and info and sexiness. Always love the rapid-fire picks during the season. Hopefully we oh, can yeah. do that. It feels like forever since we did that. I just don't even can't yeah. wait. Yeah. I right. forgot about that. Next one. The last one we got is from ZJ Hare. Everything I could ever ask for. When I want my football, I want it colleged and broed. <laughs> College football bros scratches both of these itches to completion. <laughs> Thank you, Kings. Thank you for the review. That's, we always said, that, we thought about it was our tagline. We like to bring our listeners to completion. So I'm glad. Very glad for that review. Yep. Um, All right. That'll do it for the College Football Bros podcast. Thanks for sending in all those questions. Those are some good questions. Thank you for the reviews as well. Um, And yeah, like we said, we got a a bonus episode up on on Patreon. So would really appreciate your support there as well. And we will talk deep vinyl cuts, baby. And deep vinyl cuts. Yeah. Don't forget to go buy some college football, some college stickers and t-shirts from storeenvy.com. Search deep vinyl cuts. All right. See you next week. See you guys. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.